0: Well, it took until the very first week of November for the fall weather to finally show up. But because it's Eastern North Carolina, it's going to be here for like a day. And it's going to be hot the rest of the week. <laughs> and now it's daylight savings time. And we're going to get to the bottom of this at some point in the day and try to figure out why in the hell we still do this. Carolina Oliveira is joining me here in studio off the top of the show. I've got some beef with her, I told her. Something that occurred over the weekend. I have some serious beef with Carolina. But did you have the same experience that I did, where at like 3.30 in the morning, your house was flooded with light today. And it was like, there is no way that a tradition, or whatever the science is behind daylight savings, where we're supposed to help the farmers back in the 1800s, yeah. there's no reason we should still be doing this today. I know. (laughs) It was darkness at like 3.45.
1: I know. I was like... (laughs) I was sad because we practice every Tuesday and Thursday, and I think it like hit me like we will not be able to do that anymore without lights, and mm-hmm. they're not doing lights, so it's just... It sucks. Yeah. Totally Miserable bummer. time
0: of year. Yeah, we've, uh, we have entered into the dark ages. You have entered into the Sam Avila show. Happy Monday to everybody out there. Today, we're going to have some fun on today's show. We're going to get to the updated misery index. A little bit later today, we had some, um, what Mike Houston, I think, could probably take a trip to the Misery Index this week. UNC Tar Heel fans, you can take a trip to the Misery Index this week. Uh, We'll have some fun with that coming up a little bit later today. Going to talk some NFL at some point. We're going to loop back and have a bit more of a conversation from the Panthers game last Thursday night. We didn't have time to get to too much of that on Friday's show last week. But I have to start here at the top with Carolina. Carolina, how was your Halloween? What did you get into? Was it all tricks? Were there any treats?
1: There was all of the above.
0: All of the above. It
1: was fun. I had a little get together at my house, and, you know, we did have more alcohol bottles than we did trick or treaters, but it was nice. <laughs> nice. It was a lot of fun, so no complaints. I'm tired.
0: Tired. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I'm about the same way. I went to sleep at halftime of the football game last night because I was like, I'm just. Halloween kind of got to me. Yeah. We didn't do anything. We didn't have a single trick or treater. Not one? Not a single trick or treater came through. We had the candy and everything. Yeah. Had the lights on. We were open to it. Just, no yeah, wants to come hang like out at my two. house.
1: We only had like two. It wasn't really? like anything exciting. So. What kind of
0: candy were you guys giving out this year?
1: Uh, Snickers, what was it? M&M's, Twix, you know, that good bag. Yeah,
0: the variety the pack. M-
1: my favorite bag. <laughs> If I would have known, I would have got full-size bars, and my like, here you yeah. go, you two trick-or-treaters. So
0: Man, yeah. Uh, Halloween kind of came and went for me. We didn't really do anything too crazy, which I, I like it that way. But every single year, I enjoy watching Halloween movies. Um, I do have a recommendation for you that I'm going to throw out there at some point. I was caught off guard at how much I enjoyed this one particular movie I watched this weekend. But we talked on Friday's show about the Netflix television series Haunting of Bly Manor which is the sequel in an anthology series continued off of The Haunting of Hill House. Mm -hmm. I had watched six episodes the last time you and I spoke. I had three more episodes to get to to get through the rest of the season. Caroline, I'm very disappointed in how that show ended because it was no longer a scary story. And spoiler alerts ahead, so if you're interested in these shows, turn off the radio and come back in like 10 minutes. But for those of you who haven't watched these... Season 1 ended with one of the main characters basically being driven into insanity by these ghosts that were haunting her. And she ended up hanging herself yeah. at the end of the season. And like it ended horribly, and it was sad, and there were some cliffhangers, and you were scared and freaked out. The Haunting of Blind Manor ended as a love story. And it was all happy endings, and I was happy not okay Happy endings with where? It. Well, well, not that it was... Okay, maybe not happy ending, because Danny now resides at the bottom of the lake. But I just felt like there was so much build-up. And then they just overly explained the entire story in the eighth episode. And then the ninth episode was just like, everybody's peaceful and happy and we can move on with our lives. Well,
1: that's kind of how the first season was, too. Remember they were celebrating uh, Luke's two-year, like... Sobriety Mm -hmm. and like everybody was all happy and you know Theo gets rid of her gloves and it's like okay just like that like you go you spend like your whole life miserable and all of a sudden it's just over yeah that's kind of how it was with Blind Manor that's how I wasn't disappointed Uh, I mean I was disappointed for other reasons yeah but like it was kind of like corny when it it was corny yeah. yeah
0: I guess I guess that's really really my biggest problem with it and I felt like they just they set up this whole thing with like the dream hopping and yeah. you know i like what ended up happening to owen what ended up happening to miss gross like they just, their stories just disappeared yeah the children just wow. kind of they kind of just left the children alone and it was like Oh, they've been here the whole time. It's actually thirty years later, and, and this they is don't Florida's remember anything. They don't remember anything.
1: That made me so mad. Like in Gosh. some ways, I can agree with you, but I think it's one of those things where you want more, right? And they they always feel like they have to leave you feeling like that, like it's over, but like you're like, but is it? Like, is it over? Like for many reasons, I was disappointed mainly because it's sad. Like right. how you say what happened to Ms. Gross. I mean, Ms. Gross was just since she's just like dead, the first but she's episode, still, so she's
0: still stuck the manor like it's See, her that, ghost that, still that, stuck there?
1: I have no idea. I I'm, I'm assuming so, but it's just more peaceful. Right. Cuz like when we find out that again spoiler, but when Danny's at the bottom of the lake, they're yeah. like, you know, it's not the same because the lady of the lake is now Danny and you're just kind of like, what
0: the heck? How did And and maybe I'm just misremembering. Did you think that it made sense how Danny just became the lady of the lake? Which I I actually thought the whole entire time that the Lady of the Lake was actually going to be Flora and Miles's mother. I thought that it was her the oh. whole entire time, and it wasn't uh, Viola yeah. Lloyd or whatever her name was.
1: That was cool though. How I, I mean,
0: yeah, but she just like took over. I, I it, it didn't. Ma- it just didn't make any sense to me you. that it just yeah. it just like poof. This yeah. now this has happened, and it's like but. Why did this happen? It, exactly, because it it's like just because she was sad,
1: like she was sad, so right. she had to continue making everybody's life sad. But at the end, of, like when they tell the story, she doesn't know what she's doing. She thinks that everything is still a reoccurring dream that she has is stuck in purgatory. Right. But you're right. I mean, it literally went from her not existing throughout, besides like her, like just dragging people along, like, and then all of a sudden it was like her story, and then it was just about her. But I mean, I I understand why she took over Danny. Like that, that love for a child, mm-hmm. and she kind of wanted it, but then like, Danny didn't stay with Flora, Does that make right. sense. Like she just wanted to feel again. I don't know, but did you see that her eye color changed?
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so what was that? That was I that think just... it was
1: one of her like Vi- Viola, whatever her uh-huh. name's eye, and then Danny's eye. Like there's two people in one. <sighs>
0: Yeah, okay, so that was, was sort like, of okay, signifying Max Scherzer. like <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, she did have the Max Scherzer eye going on. No, it, not that it wasn't good. I really enjoyed it. But it just, I think the last one ended with so much ferocity. Yeah. And this one, it, it was halfway through the eighth episode, which, again, people who aren't listening, we're going to get to some sports today at some point, or people who didn't watch this. I'm sorry if you're not even understanding, but I love this show. And halfway through the eighth episode, I was like, they are just revealing everything. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody said, okay, so you've been watching this for seven uh, episodes now. Here's just a full plot synopsis written down. We're just going to read it verbatim to you. This is what's going on here. And then we're going to end the show. Uh, I hope that explains everything. You know, they they didn't didn't have to try to unravel anything yourself. They just were like, cut and dry. Here's the story. Here's what happened. This is what's happening. The end. I hope you're satisfied with wasting nine hours of your life. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and in a ways you were, but you also were like, no, because I thought I was going to expect like that corny thing where all the ghosts disappear.
0: Yeah. Like into yeah. the mist,
1: but they were just gone.
0: They were just gone. <laughs> were just, man. And we
1: don't even know if they're actually gone and well, just yeah. stop. It's yeah, just like so. the
0: gravity well, like yeah. all of a sudden we're talking about a gravity well. I'm like, where the hell did a gravity well come from in the eighth episode out of nowhere?
1: Yeah. and But in my head, I was like, why did the uncle live and not like... Hannah yeah. or Danny I'm like that guy was a
0: jerk. He was horrible. He, yeah. he slept
1: with his brother's, brother's wife, wife
0: and had a kid with her and
1: that he didn't even take care of the kids. Just <sighs> spent his whole life drunk.
0: And I see I thought he was dead the whole time because he was being possessed by
1: his, his younger own self.
0: ghost his, his like alter guilty ego conscience yeah i guess that's what it was like
1: it's a, and i like it in that aspect because a lot of people that were being haunted by these like even when you find out about what's his name max no it's miles, not miles. Yeah. like the his acting out like it wasn't him it was the peter whole, it was like possessing peter. him but like even like danny when she's seeing her like dead boyfriend like all of that had meaning to it yeah and it makes you think that it's a ghost but it's just like your dirty conscience
0: See, that's another thing. There's there's so many just I don't even, I don't want to say that they're plot holes. They're but just they just fell off a cliff. Yeah. Like the first four episodes was all about her being haunted by this crazy ghost with these crazy bright eyes.
1: And then he just disappeared. Yeah, and
0: then they just tell you the story and then you never see or hear from him again. Yeah. It's like, well, what happened to this storyline over here? There were so many things that at yeah. the end I just felt like I was holding a leash with no dog at the end of it. I'm like, what <laughs> what happened? I was like, I thought we were paying attention to this storyline over here and now we just forgot about it and yeah. we made up some random character in the eighth episode and then turns out you know everybody's just grown up now so this the narrator that was jamie right am yes. I in interpreting that yes. right
1: the gardener the yeah. gardener
0: yeah yeah called that love story coming a mile away I the did second it. they were in the room together i was like boom connection danny gardener that's gonna be a thing
1: i didn't really? that's <laughs> the thing like i was so caught off guard and like i didn't even realize it was a love story until like Till like that flora, older flora is like, Oh, you said it was a horror story. It's not, it's a love story. Right. And I was like, What? So it's over? Like
0: <laughs> It's just over.
1: That's it. But it's just over. Um I'm sorry you were disappointed.
0: I was disappointed. I, liked it. I think I was disappointed because on Halloween I need something that's gonna give me the heebie jeebies. And, and the, the first feels. season gave me the heebie jeebies. <laughs> yeah. This one, exactly. Like got to the end of this one, I was like, well, we're all gonna die eventually like this is just sad you're gonna lose your loved ones and it just was really morbid it's like i wasn't scared i was upset disappointed yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's
0: like here's your own mortality this is gonna happen to you you might be we might be dead right now carolina we might be sitting here dream hopping like we yeah. did at bly manor
1: i mean you never know but peter what's his name peter quinn no Quint. yeah like yeah. he's a
0: jerk well see what was his whole thing what was he trying to do when he was he trying was to escape with uh miss jessel was he just trying to steal a bunch of stuff and escape to America? And
1: I guess so. Yeah. Like I think he had been stealing off the the uncle the entire time, and then he got caught, and he was yeah. trying to run away, but he ended up getting dragged by the lady of the lake. lake. Lady, yeah. And then he was just trying to take over the kid's body so he can get a second chance at life. I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, it's like they just—they're like we're just going to possess these children.
1: Like he's such a liar, too. He uh-huh. convinced these kids that they were going to see. <laughs> oh my God, it's terrible. <laughs> terrible
0: uh so the haunting of bly manor we may have just spoiled it for you um you're welcome it was it was good but i was just left wanting more which i guess is the whole thing yeah Yeah. that's kind of the whole thing um we are going to do some sports today do you know how you did on your picks over the weekend
1: i do not because i don't remember who i picked
0: (laughs) well i've got them right here let's do this so carolina joins me every friday we have a contest going on this year just simple basic nfl picks against the spread and you are only one game, one and a half games back on me for the year. So, let's recap this real quick. Let's see. You had the Lions plus three yesterday. The Lions lost by 20. So, you missed that pick, Caroline. The Lions aren't a good football team. Um, the Bills Darn. were four-point favorites. You had the Bills.
2: Let's they didn't check cover what thing. that
0: final ended up being. They did not. They only won by three. So, you were 0-2 for the week. You had the Seahawks. They were three-point favorites. They won by 10. So you got that. You are now 1-2. and two. You had the dumb. Dolphins. They won. So you got that. And you had the Bengals plus 5.5. Did they cover? They did. They won. So you went 3-2. and two. Oh, nice. You had a good week. You are now 17. Do my math. 17-17-1 on the year. So you All are right. right at the 500 mark.
1: I really thought that I was going to go 5-5. Five and five. I told you <laughs> Friday before we left, but...
0: You still did well. No, thanks. You still did well. Let's see. I had the Packers minus six and a half. They lost inexplicably to the Good. Vikings. Okay. I had the Chargers minus three and a half. They also lost, so I missed that one. Had the Ravens minus four. Uh, they lost by four, so that doesn't work either. That is a big X. The Browns minus two and a half. I'm not going to win a game this this week. I missed that one. And the Chiefs nineteen and a half. I got that one right. So I only went one and four this year. So Carolina. This week. Or the, excuse me, yes, this <laughs> week. We are now basically tied. You have the slight edge over me because I am now seventeen and I'm eighteen winning, on the year. You are of. seventeen, seventeen, and one. So you are basically that'd be a half game ahead of me. You are winning. You just took the lead for the first time.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I actually feel really accomplished. Like Heck yeah. You can't see me people, but I have a big <laughs> smile on my face. <laughs> All right, cool.
0: No, that is uh, that is good. This is why I'm trying to uh, cut my gambling career a little bit short, Whoa. because I'm not good at it. So, Carolina's going to be back in here on Friday, and obviously you're going to want to tail her picks, because she is red hot this year.
1: Don't listen to him, because if you guys lose, I don't want the blame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to lose, because the old end game here is the loser is going to have to eat a raw onion on the air. Ugh. Which is really just going to be punishment for me at this point because i'm gonna have to eat it but it's gonna be bad for you because you're gonna have to sit in here and smell it
1: and watch you and watch me eat an onion i don't want you to watch me eat an onion i'll probably turn around (laughs) and face the wall save everybody we'll probably make the video and put it on
0: facebook or something oh no (laughs) even better
1: oh no that is torture
0: (laughs) oh so carolina good job thank you so much for hanging out here
1: beginning the show
0: um hubie halloween on netflix okay it's an adam sandler Netf- uh, netflix original yes. halloween movie yeah fantastic i loved it i loved it
1: okay i'm glad a lot of people didn't like it but it was i loved my favorite it favorite
0: halloween movie i've ever seen in my life
1: i'm glad i freaking loved it too i'm glad i'm not alone because everybody was like it was kind of boring i'm like it's not boring it's freaking funny like you have to know adam sandler is its own little you have to accept his movies for what they are yes
0: and that one's great that one was really good i, re- I really enjoyed that um you can't watch that and get mad about those plot holes because no. there's plot holes everywhere. Like the whole thing starts with an escaped like guy from a mental hospital. There's a werewolf that moves in next door at some point and then they just become friends and yeah. hang out. Like, yeah,
1: and then they it just, is disappear. just <laughs> great. That's a great movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the grandma's t-shirts the whole entire time. Oh, yeah. They were just top notch, top notch comedy. Yeah, Hubie Halloween cannot recommend that. Uh highly enough i think that's it you got anything else you want to say no you good
1: happy monday happy almost end of monday happy tuesday i don't know
0: (laughs) 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 carolina olivares uh when we come back we're gonna talk some ecu football did they get robbed over the weekend? Yes, they did. Even me, who wants to pick on ECU fans. Um, I cannot come up with an excuse for the American Athletic Conference officials. So we'll hear from Mike Houston, the head coach of the Pirates, coming up here in the very next segment. You're listening to the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Thank you, Carolina. Thank you. Welcome back to the Sam Avila Show. So what happened in the state of college football in North Carolina This weekend. Well, NC State uh, is idle. NC State did not play this week, so nothing bad could have possibly happened to them. At least, not that I've heard of yet. NC State will be back in action on Friday night against Miami, and what should be um, an embarrassment like no other on national television. I actually had one of these deja vu, premonition kind of dreams last night where I feel like I remember vaguely in my dream being excited about something that Bailey Hockman did. So maybe <laughs> maybe that means good news for NC State coming up uh, this Friday night against Miami. That'll be the ESPN game. So Wolfpack fans, buckle up because it could get a little nasty for the Wolfpack this weekend. But elsewhere, look, I think I'm ready to say that at this point, Because for years now, I've been kind of making the same joke about college football in the state of North Carolina, and that is that none of us are ever going to be good. That if you are a football fan in the state of North Carolina, and you have one of these once in a decade or so, 9-win season, 10-win season, I think NC State's won 10 games twice in my lifetime as a fan. I know Carolina's been right there a couple of times. ECU guys have some years there, uh, especially what, when Skip Holtz was still there. I know ECU had a couple of years where they were really basking in the glory. App State, you've been there. I guess Duke maybe has had a 9-10 win season at some point, but nothing really stands out. Wake Forest had that one year where they won the ACC championship with Riley Skinner. Those moments, those above-average seasons – it's seasons like this one for pretty much everybody in our state that makes me continue to reiter- reiterate more and more year after year that, you know what, if you're a fan of VCU, if you're a fan of Carolina, if you're a fan of Duke, if you're a fan of App State, if you're a fan of Wake Forest, you need to just go ahead and bring acceptance into your heart. That's your ideas and your delusions of grandeur. Are simply that. They are delusions. <laughs> Carolina, this was supposed to be the year. I still maintain, I said it all offseason, I still maintain it this year, that Carolina is still a year away. I wasn't ready to buy the hype on UNC for this season because I thought there was some youth on that team that could still benefit from another year at UNC getting them ready. The recruiting classes Um, don't usually come in and make immediate impacts. That's usually something you see two or three years down the road. So I still maintain that UNC is going to be maybe next level, if you will, next season. But you saw this weekend in a loss to a UVA team that is not very good. I want to say Virginia had only won maybe one other game, maybe two other games this entire season. team that's outside of the top half of the ACC. That is a game that UNC cannot lose. That is a game that good teams don't lose. The one key attribute that you always hear talked about, good teams, is you win the games you're supposed to. right? You're a good football team if you go out there and you win the games that you're supposed to. Carolina had an op- or a moment this weekend. This is now two times in three weeks. Two times in three weeks that Carolina has not gone out there and handled business against a team that, on paper, they should be much, much better than So I understand any frustration that UNC fans have today, but the the point is, is that you're never going to be a good football team if you don't do that. This is why. I'm going to get to some ECU stuff here in just a second, and that was just brutal. But ECU fans, you've already done this. ECU fans are very good about tucking their feelings away and hiding behind this, it's going to get better, it's going to get better mentality. It does feel like it's trending that direction, but no matter how you want to spin it, the truth of the matter is is that UNC is, or excuse me, ECU is now just one and four. You've only won one game this year. They're supposed to be um, a little bit of a corner turned. I don't think anybody was expecting Mike Houston to have this team flying all over the field and coming out here and being competitive. Nobody even expected a 500 season. You had people who went really extreme, like Cherry Palm for CBS at the beginning of the year, who said that ECU was not going to win a single football game. They have already surpassed that total by just one game, but they have surpassed that total. But you had an opportunity this weekend. He came up short. Um, NC State, a bye week's still a loss for NC State because this season's just spiraling out of control. Um, Let's see, Duke played Charlotte. I don't even know if they won that game. doesn't matter. Wake Forest won again this weekend. And when I say to you and this is just through the lens of watching our colleges here in the state of North Carolina, if I say to you, who is the team that is the most consistent that when I have the parameters in front of you of you're good if you go out and you win the games that you're supposed to win? The only team that consistently checks that box is Wake Forest. Wake Forest is the football team that week after week, a year after year since Dave Clawson has gotten there, They are always right in the mix of being pretty okay. And pretty okay is the gold standard for college football in the state of North Carolina. It has been for years. Every now and again, you may have that one fluky season, right? Phillip Rivers might take you to a Gator Bowl. Marquise Williams might give you 11 wins. But for the most part, you're going to have these seasons that when you look back, it's like, man, what could have been? What could have been for this team if it wasn't for... That play, or that game, or how we kind of fell asleep at the wheel and lost in a matchup that we didn't have any business losing in. Right? Carolina was probably on a surefire track to play in a New Year's New Year's Six bowl game. Would have been a big deal. Can't tell you the last time I've seen Carolina in that kind of caliber of a bowl game. But now with two losses, um, you're destined to end up what playing it like a champ Sports Bowl or like a Music City Bowl, and now that it seems like the impenetrable armor that this is Carolina's year has been yanked away, you have to hope that this doesn't snowball. I still think Carolina's going to be fine. They're Going uh, going forward, this game does not change my evaluation of them as a team this year or going forward. Still on the right track. Still have some really, really talented pieces there. But just the season as a whole, Carolina fans, right after this weekend against Virginia, the luster... Of this year is gone. This is one of those losses that if we were allowed to have full stadiums this year, right? If we were allowed to have fans in the stadiums in 2020, do you think that going forward, the rest of the season, that this would have not have been the weekend, this would not have been the weekend that led to that stadium feeling a little bit more empty week after week, right? Like, this was going to be the one. This is the loss that took the luster off of this UNC football team this weekend. So I'm going to pull up UNC's schedule here for just a moment. Uh, maybe in the break. I'm sure the new AP polls have been released today. But if you look at UNC's season and going forward, UNC has an opportunity. They stand right now at fourth in the ACC. They are 4-2 to start the year. 4-2 and two to start the year. You now hang out behind Clemson, Notre Dame, and Miami. So, the way Notre Dame's playing right now, and they looked incredible again over this weekend. That Ian Bookkid is a really good quarterback. Nobody talks about him really nationally. Carolina's on the outside looking in of not even just an opportunity to play in the ACC championship game, not even going to be runner-up. Right now, they have to look down Miami, and you want to look at the rest of the season. Carolina will be in action again this week. Um, they have a bye week coming up two weeks from now, so a little s- longer stretch here of playing consistent games. Carolina will take on Duke this weekend, Saturday at twelve o'clock. Duke's nothing special, but you know those rivalry games it always feels a little bit different. But then Carolina's going to have to take on three games straight: Wake Forest, who again is just solid, Notre Dame, and Miami. Okay, Notre Dame and Miami are both. Carolina fell out of the top 25 this week. Notre Dame and Miami are both, Notre Dame's fourth in the country right now. Miami is 11th in the country. Right now. Miami game is on the road. And Hard Rock Stadium, uh, where the Dolphins play, where the University of Miami play, they're putting a lot of people in those seats. That's going to be the probably the first real true road game experience for UNC so far this year. So a Carolina team that, uh, what, I said 4-2 and two this year. You're looking forward. And I see maybe two, but potentially even three losses on their schedule the rest of the way. We're just playing 10 games this year, right? Or 11 games, because Carolina's going to close out the season with um, a home non-conference game against Western Carolina. So Carolina's going to have, what, maybe five losses? Four losses on their schedule this year? You're looking at a a team that could end up being 7-4. and four. Maybe 6-5, and five, depending on that Wake Forest game. Is that the way this season was supposed to go? Are you still going to be pounding your chest going into next year and saying, "Mac Brown is back, Mac Brown is back, Sam Howell, Heisman Trophy winner? You can still do that, but it's going to feel a little bit different. It's going to feel a bit more stale when you have to look out there. And you look in hindsight, it's like, what could have been? What really could have been? You've now dropped, dropped games to Florida State and Virginia that you 100% should have won. And in three of your next four games, you're at least going to be underdogs in two of them. You might be underdogs in three of them. I I could see a situation where Wake Forest actually ends up being the favorite over UNC uh, two weekends from now. Wake Forest just beat a pretty good Virginia Tech team. They just posted 40 on Virginia, the very same Virginia team that just beat UNC this past weekend. Wake Forest is consistent. They are the team, again, that they win the games they're supposed to win. Look at their schedule this year. I mean, they opened up against Clemson, for God's sakes. That went about how you expect it to go. Um, they lost a close one to NC State. Probably a little fluky there, but that's the that was the breakout game for Devin Leary. NC State was a good football team with Devin Leary. They were a good football team. And, you, and Wake Forest was right in it. But after that, hang 66 on Campbell. Beat Virginia handily by 17. Beat Virginia Tech pretty handily. Beat them by over a touchdown. And beat the mess out of Syracuse this past weekend, 38-14. That's a team that wins games they're supposed to win. Oh, and by the way, they're going on a bye week this week. So while Carolina's going to have gone five, six weeks straight with having a football game every single week, Wake Forest is coming off of a big win against Syracuse. Sam Howell getting all the attention, but the other Sam... In the state, Sam Hartman, the quarterback at Wake Forest, just continues to be steady Eddie all year long. 250 yards and a touchdown this past weekend. They've got two different running backs there in Clemson and Christian Smith and Kenneth Walker, the third. Both of these guys posting 70, 80 yards rushing per week. They're a well rounded, solid football team that doesn't make mistakes and win games that they're supposed to. Coming off the bye week, it's going to be in Chapel Hill. But there's a real chance that Carolina, two weeks from now, is going to be a home underdog against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And if they're not going to be home underdogs, I couldn't see them being more than three- and four-point favorites. So it's kind of put-up-or-shut-up time in Carolina. We're going to talk to each about some ECU stuff at some point today, but there's a big difference between these two programs. And, I mean, you know this, but one, your expectations – or that eventually you're going to have expectations. That's you. That's ECU, right? You're expecting that sometime in the next year, two years of Mike Houston, what well, is he's in year two now? Is that right, or is this year three? This is year two for Mike Houston. You're expecting that by 2022, you have expectations in Greenville. Carolina had them this year, and historically, when our teams in this state, nobody is safe except for Wake Forest. Because Wake Forest never has expectations, it's just always, eh, they're going to be pretty good. Historically, if one of our college teams has expectations, what happens? They come up flat, they fall on their face. There hasn't been a team that has been more hyped up and more talked about and more excited, a team that got us more excited, than UNC this year. Up to number five in the country at some point. Two weeks later, completely removed from the top 25. That is a fall from grace that the only time I feel like I have seen that or felt that directly with one of our teams was, do you remember the NC State basketball team a couple of years ago that had uh, like C.J. Leslie and Scott Wood and Lorenzo Brown? And I want to say at the beginning of the season, they were number seven in the country, preseason number seven in the country. And then it was two weeks into the season, and NC State had been completely removed from the top 25. And you still knew that was a good basketball team, right? They still ended up making the tournament. I want to say they made a run to the Sweet 16 that year. Or were a game short. That's what we're dealing with with this UNC team right now. It's so frustrating because even as someone who doesn't cheer for them, I still wanted to see it because, you know what, just for the job, it's better for business if Carolina's good. It's better for business if ECU's good. It's better for business if NC State's good. It's also good for business when we can sort of point and laugh at them. Carolina is still a really good football team. Put them in the stadium with anybody, and I think they can hang every single week. And it's not as if in this game over the weekend against Virginia, they looked incompetent. It's not as if um, two weeks ago against Florida State, they looked incompetent. But they didn't look like the world beaters are supposed to. When they were put on the field with the team, and it's, again, beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat and then I will believe in you as a football team. If we had gotten to the end of the year and we were looking back at Carolina's schedule and it's like, you know what? They had a pretty good year. They finished with two losses, but those losses came to Notre Dame and those losses came to Miami. When they ran up against a Florida State or if they ran up against a Virginia Tech or if they ran up against a UVA, they handled business. Be like, that is a good football team. That is the mark of a good football team. But when you already have two losses and you still have yet to see either of the teams where you probably expected or could make a case for your two losses in Miami, in Notre Dame, when we're already at that point, it already feels like we're writing off the season. And we're already starting to turn our attention towards next year. And some of that's not fair, like I said, because we do this thing where we put these insane expectations on some of our college football teams sometimes. And they come up short. And we're like, why did we keep coming up short? Well, because the truth of the matter is that ACC football in the state of North Carolina never has been able to hang. Never has ever been able to hang. Not consistently. Not reliably. They just always slip up. Somebody's always there, ready and eager to make a mistake. So uh, I actually did want to get to ECU in this segment. Going to have to push it now. We're going to do the misery index at some point today. You know you're going to... um, be dealing with Carolina and they, we know we're going to have some Mike Houston sound um, in that so let's take a quick break I will tell you what when we come back let's do that we'll hear from Mike Houston and his thoughts on a disappointing loss that probably shouldn't have been a loss or at least ECU could have had one more opportunity to hold on and win this game against Tulsa this past Friday night we'll hear from Mike Houston here on the Sam Avila show next so the ECU Pirates drop another one over the weekend, in fact, Friday night, ECU loses thirty-four thirty final score to Tulsa, the Golden Hurricane, which remains undefeated in American Athletic Conference play this year. ECU was a nineteen and a half point underdog in that game, which I know that doesn't make it feel any better, ECU fans, because I'm going I'm to give ECU fans a little bit of slack today, uh, because I'm mean to you guys a lot. I mean everybody, it happens when you're a, a bitter, lifelong NC State fan. It doesn't necessarily make you feel any better when you're a 19.5-point favorite, and you come up just short. It makes it feel any, even worse when you came up short, and maybe you shouldn't have come up short because you got screwed over by the referees. Right? That was, uh, we all saw... <laughs> We all saw, I've got the statement from the American Athletic Conference here. I'm going to read it to you. Because I love when conferences do this thing where they go back and they review the officials after the game. And they're like, yep, we we messed up. We ruined the outcome of this game because our officials got it wrong. We're sorry. We can't do anything about it. That's not really good enough. I've said for a couple of years now that wouldn't it be cool if after the game, the officials have to sit down in front of the media and answer questions the way uh, coaches and players have to do. It's it's moments like this that make you wonder why the Zebras out there never seem to have any kind of accountability. And you can't really do so much that just the refs cost us the game. The refs cost us the game because, as always, you can go and find other instances that maybe could have helped you win in between the margins in that game. But when it's something as blatantly wrong as what happened to ECU, well, then, you know, it's a little bit more acceptable to spend the week being miserable because of the refs costing you the game. Here's the statement from the American Athletic Conference. The AAC has acknowledged an officiating error that occurred in the fourth quarter of the October 30th East Carolina Tulsa football game. With one minute and 52 seconds remaining... In the fourth quarter, a Tulsa ball carrier was ruled by the on-field officials to have fumbled with the ensuing recovery by East Carolina. After further review of the play by the replay official, the ruling on the field was reversed. The replay official determined that the ball carrier had regained possession and was down prior to East Carolina's ultimately recovering the ball. After reviewing the video of the play, the conference has determined that the judgment of the replay official was incorrect, The ball carrier did not regain possession of the ball, and the ruling on the field awarding the ball to East Carolina should not have been reversed. The American Athletic Conference has conducted a review of this game and has communicated its findings to East Carolina and Tulsa. Well, you can communicate all you want, but it doesn't really make it any better. Right, It doesn't make it any better. So ECU fans, I understand the pain and the frustration today. Um, the win probability charts are always kind of a wacky thing, and I don't know if it's a really good measure of outcome. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons have been the best example of this this year. But ECU, with three minutes left, was an 86% win probability according to ESPN's numbers here. Um, with, with three minutes left, they had an 86% chance to win that game. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yes, that 14% obviously reared its ugly head and ended up being in favor of Tulsa. ECU, who drove down, took the lead with four minutes left, well, four, four and a half minutes left, that Raji Harris touchdown catch uh, from Holt Nailers. Took a three-point lead, and then Tulsa fumbled the ball away. But then they got bailed out by the referees. Tulsa, as you know, uh, ended up marching it down the field and scored the go-ahead touchdown with 30 seconds left, and that would end up being all she wrote. It doesn't make it any easier today. right? Like Getting the apology from—it wasn't even an apology. It was just an admission of guilt by the AAC. I don't really know if you can even apologize or say I'm sorry other than just like, whoops. But for the ECU fan, it just feels like this was destined to happen. You just feel like there's some sort of curse that is lingering over you guys. And that's been the interesting thing about Mike Houston. And I want to play his sound for you here in just a second. And Mike Houston, I still maintain, I, I agree with ECU fans, I hear you on Twitter, I see you on Facebook, I talk to you out and about, and everybody loves Mike Houston. And that. Is the right answer, Mike Houston? You see it all the time. He's the right guy for the job. Love him for this program. He's leading these boys in the right direction, and all that can definitely be true, and all that probably is true. But I, what I am watching, and if you're an ECU fan, this probably infuriates you. But if you're not an ECU fan, I want you to pay attention to this with me. How much of a leash is Mike Houston going to get? I think the metaphor I used for it the other day was that Mike Leach or Mike Houston Mike Leach. Mike Houston feels like he's on a retractable dog leash right now. Okay, right? Like the coming from the expression like, oh you know, he's got a long leash. We're not worried about reining him in or having to talk about the next guy after Mike Houston. The leash just seems to continue to get stretched out a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer for Mike Houston. And look, I know it's only a second year. I'm not saying like we're gonna jump the gun and get rid of this guy early. He hasn't done anything to warrant a firing. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that over the next couple of years, let's watch. Because yes, ECU can maybe be trending in the right direction. You can feel all of that, you can think all of that. But at the end of the day, the truth of the matter. Is that ECU continues to be coming up just short? Think about last year for ECU fans. So year one for Mike Houston. You had a couple nice wins scattered through there. Well, nice wins for based on the status and the nature of the program right now, or where they were a year ago, right? It was a bad ECU team. Mike Houston wasn't working with very much. We all understand that. You beat Gardner Webb handily. Gardner Webb's not very good. You beat William and Mary. Only by 12 points last year. Remember, like week three or week four of the season. Beat Old Dominion by a field goal last year. And outside of that, it was really just a compilation of losses in which you just came up short. Right, Came up just short against Temple last year. Came up 13 points short against UCF. You thought you were close. Lost by 25 to South Florida. Came up a field goal short to a good Cincinnati team, but you still came up just short. Came up 8 points short to SMU, a game in which you allowed 59 points. Came up just short to Tulsa a year ago. You look at this season, and the season's been painful. You came up short this past weekend. You've been coming up short week in and week out. I am curious to see how many times ECU fans can be satisfied with coming up just short. Came up just short against Georgia State this year. Came up just short to UCF this year. Came up just short to Navy a week ago. Came up just short to Tulsa this past weekend. Mind you, yes, the Tulsa thing wasn't your fault. You should have won that game. But it just continues to come up just short for ECU. So I am curious because Mike Houston has gotten a reception and a welcome at ECU that was never afforded to Scotty Montgomery. And yes, I understand it's because it's painfully obvious that Scotty Montgomery was not a good football coach and Mike Houston seems like he's a pretty damn good football coach. But if there's a constant pattern of coming up just short, at what point are you going to keep saying, we're just going to kick the can down the road? Or are you going to be able to live with that? Because I can tell you, we talked about this conversation earlier, coming up just short is just something you're going to always have to live with with ECU fans. I don't know what the expectation is or what the end game here that ECU Pirate fan is expecting with Mike Houston because to me it goes one of two ways. You either keep coming up short... And two, three, four years from now, we're talking about, do they need to move on? I don't think that's the more likely outcome. I think the more likely outcome is that this program will officially turn that corner. I think you thought you would have seen more proof of that, more evidence so far, outside of, hey, we almost won this game and we should have won if it wasn't for the referees. Or you can't go back to the Navy game. The ECU fan always has an excuse. We all make excuses, but it it just seems like there's always something. It was well. If we had Holton Naylor's, we probably would have won that game against Navy. Well, if the call had gone our way, the way it was supposed to, then we probably would have beat Tulsa. You can say that over and over again. You can say that over and over again. But the way that Mike Houston is talked about and glorified at ECU is something. The guy is on more of a pedestal in Greenville than Mike than Mac Brown is in Chapel Hill right like they they somehow are making Mike Houston this greatest college football coach that there ever was and he's the right guy and he's going to get this program turned around do you believe that or are you just trying to convince yourself of that do you actually believe it or are you just trying to convince yourself of that i think he's a damn good football coach i don't know where this like messiah mentality is coming from that i see ecu fans talking about after another shortcoming After yet another shortcoming. So, only a year and a half in. Not saying we're pulling the plug on this guy. I'm just simply talking about the treatment and the way Mike Houston is talked about that Scotty Montgomery never was. Scotty Montgomery was given three years and he was shown the door. And y'all hated him from year one. And for good reason. Like, Scotty Montgomery was not good. (laughs) I did like Scotty Montgomery personally. I thought he was a very, very nice man. But that obviously isn't going to keep your job. ECU fans, I don't know if it's a maturation thing. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I don't know if the fan base has matured and they're like, yes, you know what, maybe we need to make sure we're very patient because we might have a good winning football coach. But the other outcome opposed to, and the more likely scenario here, is that Mike Houston does get this program turned around, that Mike Houston has ECU where they're competitive year in and year out in the AAC. Not an easy task, but doable. But you always have that specter of if he does do that, if Mike Houston is the amazing football coach that you think he can be and that you think he's the right guy for ECU. I always tell ECU fan, what's going to happen when he wins nine games and then he follows that up with a 10-win season and then maybe another nine-win season. It's going to be really fun. And then he might be gone. Because then somebody else is going to come knock, and then there's going to be somebody that has more money to offer him. Then there's going to be a bigger program. Mike Houston, I mean, I don't know if he's even spoken about this in the past. I doubt it. But he seems like an ambitious man, no? So I always caution ECU fans. Like It's almost like, be careful what you wish for. Because I know you really want him to be good, but if he's really good, then he's going to be really gone. Really good equals really gone for good football coaches in Greenville. So something to keep an eye on. I'm going to have to kick this to the next segment. I do want to air Mike Houston's response following the Tulsa game because I thought he handled it impeccably. If that was me on that sideline and we got screwed over the way ECU got screwed over, I would be furious. I'd have fines coming my way. I'd have lost my mind. Would have endeared himself to Pirate Nation, but you can endear yourself to Pirate Nation in multiple different ways. Mike Houston, the word class comes to mind. The way he handled this situation with the referees over the weekend. So uh, stick around, short commercial break. When we come back, we will hear from the ECU Pirate coach himself, Mike Houston, and his post game comments following, um, well, just a total screw job. Total screw job of the American Athletic Conference referees. More of the Sam Avalos show coming up. Welcome back to the Sam Avalos show. Happy five o'clock hour. We're going to do the misery index coming up in the next segment. Have a little bit of fun. Uh, but there's one guy today, and I love a good redemption story, but the opposite of miserable. If you could think of a situation in sports, if you were an athlete, where's the one place in the world where you know you would be the most miserable? I think if you think about it for a second, most of you will arrive at the opinion, especially in 2020, but most years, you would not like to be a New York Jet. <laughs> Uh, New York Jets lost again yesterday. They are still winless on the season, not surprisingly. And they took on the Kansas City Chiefs, who, in their defense, are really good. And Patrick Mahomes had one of those games where it felt like, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for everybody, wait, waiting for Patrick Mahomes to do this thing where he's like, wait a second, why is nobody talking about me right now as MVP? Right? Why is Tom Brady getting some potential love for MVP? Good Monday Night Football game coming up tonight. I actually think uh, I think the Giants are going to be fairly competitive in that game. I haven't checked the line. But yesterday, Patrick Mahomes had one of those days where it was like, oh, yeah, you remember how we do this thing and we talk about who's the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now? And have there been times this year, because he hasn't needed to show it, have there been times this year that you've kind of forgotten about Patrick Mahomes? yesterday was one of those days, Patrick Mahomes, what was it, five touchdowns for him? I know I had him on my fantasy team, and he just carried me straight to victory this week. It wasn't even, uh really wasn't even fair. <laughs> that guy just does things, he, he always makes it look easy. That's what I always say. If, if you're somebody who just makes being good look easy, there's being good, and then there's doing it and making it look simple, like a breeze. That's what Patrick Mahomes does. He was remarkable yesterday. But the redemption story here, And the guy who is very far away from our misery index today is a defensive lineman who I didn't know anything about by the name of Avery Williamson. Uh, Excuse me, he's a linebacker, not a defensive lineman. Linebacker Avery Williamson, who earlier this morning it was announced was being traded from the New York Jets, the winless Jets, 0-8, to the team with the best record in all of football, the Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) So Avery Williamson, and this is the second example we've seen of this in a couple of weeks where a New York Jet player has finally been set free, set free by the organization, and they have done them the favor of sending them to uh, more promising destinations. I think it was an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman a couple of weeks ago who, after the game in Miami, was traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he said he just went and hopped in a car right outside the stadium and bounced. (laughs) Avery Williamson, the reason I bring him up, is he made a post on his Instagram last night of himself standing outside of the Jets facility in full Jets football gear and was hailing for a cab. (laughs) He was that eager to just get the hell up out of New York. He just said, nope, I'm not even going to change clothes. I'm just going to walk right outside. Let me just wear my football gear. I'm going to go hail a cab now. So congratulations to you, Avery Williamson, sir, for um, moving on to greener (laughs) pastures uh, for sure. Pittsburgh's really good. And Cowboys fans, I'm trying not to talk about this too much today because I didn't even watch the entirety of that Cowboys-Eagles game last night because why would you want to watch that? It was, it was a long day of football. It was a good day of football. I didn't need to sully my night by watching a whole lot of Cowboys-Eagles last night. And uh, when I woke up and checked the box score this morning, I was like, yeah, I'm glad I skipped that. I'm glad I skipped that. I don't think we're too far away from Jerry Jones perhaps suiting up himself and trying to get in there. Because not that we expected anything, but Ben DiNucci is not good. <laughs> uh, so the Eagles are now um, in the lightest sense possible putting a little bit of a stranglehold on that division there. But uh, Cowboys fans, it doesn't get any easier. You guys are going to be taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers next week. These perfect 7-0 and o Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, pretty impressive. Hey, did you head out to Toyota of Newburn on Friday night and check out the Trunk or Treat? They had some music going on out there. Looked like a good time. Well, if you missed it, that's okay. You can still go out and check out the guys over at Toyota of Newburn. The guys and the gals. Check out the brand new lineup, all the great Toyota vehicles that you know and love—the Camry, the Tacoma, the Tundra—I'm partial to the Tacoma myself. I've had one since 2009. I absolutely love it. Cannot re- recommend the Toyota vehicles highly enough. Of course, every Toyota of Newbern purchase, or excuse me, every Toyota purchase from Toyota of Newbern comes with the Toyota of Newbern Family Pledge, unlimited free lifetime maintenance, loaner cars, so much more. Just part of the great stuff that they do over there at Toyota of Newburn. But tomorrow is Test Drive Tuesday at Toyota of Newburn. So head on out to Toyota of Newburn tomorrow. Test drive a vehicle and you will automatically be entered in to win a $250 Amazon gift card. That's right. Head out there, test drive a vehicle tomorrow, every Tuesday, get yourself entered into a drawing to win a $250 Amazon gift card. You cannot go wrong with that. I wanted to play this Mike Houston sound for you here in just a second. Some of his uh, reactions to the blown call, or yeah, yeah, I guess it was a blown call. I mean, they called it and then they reversed it. ECU ended up not getting the ball. If they had gotten the ball, they could have iced the game against Tulsa and would have gotten their second win of the season. And we'd be having a very different conversation about ECU football uh, today and this week and all week long. But wanted to do this rattle them off real quick. Uh, we've got the first first of the year because it takes a little bit of time for me to see how I feel when it comes to power rankings. Right, I've got to make sure I watch everybody in the state enough. So we have the first official for the year. Sam Avalos show, state of North Carolina. Power rankings. We did have the AP polls come out earlier today. Carolina, we mentioned, completely dropped out. Completely dropped out of the AP top 25 this week. They did receive some votes still. Uh, They still received 92 top 25 votes, but they, uh, Kansas State and Penn State, all dropped out of the rankings. Carolina was number 15. Last week in the coaches' poll, they're still hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Carolina moves to 24th in the coaches' poll this week, it's 11 spots back from uh, the number 13 ranking that they held in the coaching poll a week ago. So, if you tune in and watch Carolina this weekend against Duke, you're no longer going to have that pretty little number next to your name, no longer in the top 25. UNC. So, with that being said, um, the first edition of the 2020 Sam Avalos Show, college football rankings right here in the state of North Carolina, brought to you by Toyota of Newburgh. Number one, handled business this past weekend against Syracuse, going to be going on the road in two weeks to take on the UNC Tar Heels. They are 4-2 and two to start the season. They beat everybody that they're supposed to beat, and they're competitive in the games that they're not supposed to be in. One of their losses is to Clemson so far this year. The other one to NC State when Devin Leary had the breakout game. Wake Forest Demon Deacons at four and two on a bye week. Here, going to take the first number one spot in the state of North Carolina power rankings. Look, I'm not saying that uh, they're better than Carolina. I'm just saying right now with a bye week in front of them and their next scheduled opponent is UNC, who comes in at number two here. I'm giving the early nod to Wake Forest. Because Wake Forest hasn't blown games that they were supposed to dominate in. This is not so much a tip of the cap to Dave Clawson and Wake Forest. It's more of a tip of the cap uh, or you know, an eye roll, a little side eye, a little smirk over at UNC, who now in two out of three weeks have blown games that they were not supposed to be losing uh, to Florida State and Virginia. So Carolina coming in at number two. Wake Forest, man, I'm telling you, Dave Clawson just wins. Consistently, He doesn't win a lot. He wins a decent amount consistently, which is the best praise that you can give a football coach in the state of North Carolina. Win a decent amount consistently. Win a decent amount consistently. Consistently. That's what Dave Clawson and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons do. They continue to roll. Sam Hartman is super impressive. They've got several different guys who can uh, run the ball. Jakari Robin, Robertson excuse me, has over 300 yards total receiving over the last three games combined. Over 300 yards receiving. They're doing all this without Sage Surratt even this year. right? They're, they're number one wide receiver. Maybe a top two or three wide receiver in the ACC. Opted out for the season. Dave Clawson, the infamous claw fence. he does not like that nickname for it. I have asked him. He does not like that I call it the claw fence. but you know what? The claw fence does it week in and week out. Winners of four straight now ever since that loss to NC State. One of those wins came over and then ranked in the top 25 Virginia Tech team. So, bye week coming up this week, matchup against UNC, looming large two weeks from now. I mentioned Carolina coming in at number two. They should be the top dog. But you just can't lose to Virginia and you can't lose to Florida State if you're a team that three weeks ago was the number five team in the country and you are now out of the top 25. A very rapid fall from grace. They'll have an opportunity to bounce back this week, taking on Duke, who has been dreadful this year. Number three, we're going with Appy. Good old App State football. Only loss of the season so far to number 16 ranked Marshall. Marshall, number 16 in the country. Right now, Uh, the only loss of the year for App State football. What do you want me to say? Outside of Dave Clawson and the claw fence at Wake Forest, regardless of the coach, there's been nobody more consistent. Whether it was Scott Satterfield, whether it was Eli Drinkwitz, App State just continues to be good every single year. Always a solid football program. Uh, Had a big 31-13 win over Louisiana Monroe this weekend. A big game looming large a couple weeks from now. They're going to take on, hey, shout out to Myrtle Beach. They're not in the power rankings here, but Coastal Carolina, up to number 15 in the country. If you need some good football in your life, I urge you to seek out a Coastal Carolina football game. (laughs) I saw some of their game this weekend. It was on uh, at a restaurant that I was at. They were taking on, I think it was Georgia State, and... At one point, I looked up, and it was like 40 to nothing, and I think they ended up winning 50-something to nothing. Coastal Carolina is a really, really good football team. They actually got some national respect this week. Uh, but at State, number three. Number four, the NC State Wolfpack. Fourth in the state. They're not real good. They were better a couple weeks ago with Devin Leary, but obviously the broken leg put a wrench into things. It's kind of hard to play football and be a good team when you're starting quarterback as a broken leg. Only, they were on by this week, so we don't have any answers. We still don't really know who the quarterback is. Is it going to be Bailey Hockman? Is it going to be the younger brother of Ryan Finley, Ben Finley, who had some moments against UNC but also looked like a fish out of water at times. So NC State this weekend going to be taking on Miami in Friday night's game. Prime time. Uh, the Wolfpack are poised to get really embarrassed Really embarrassed Friday night against Miami. Miami continues to play pretty good football. They're up to number eleven in the country. Number five, we're going with ECU here, and it was real close between ECU and NC State. And ECU fans, I want to know that I I give you guys a hard time, but it's all love. It's tough love. It's tough love. I live with an ECU fan. She, I I get it firsthand. I witness it. Just trying to make sure you guys understand your spot. It's going to get better. But it's going to continue to get worse, at least for now. Tough one to deal with over the weekend. If they had beaten Tulsa, I'd have had them above NC State. You know what? I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to change. I'm going to say that ECU should have won that game. Obviously, they should have with that blown call. Let's go ahead and flip these power rankings right now. ECU, you're up to number four. NC State, you're behind them. I 100% believe that if NC State and ECU played tomorrow, ECU would beat them. And I'm saying I think they'd beat them by a touchdown or more. I think they'd probably beat them by a touchdown or more. If Devin Leary was on the field, different story. But this NC State team right now, they're floundering. The season is already completely gone. ECU, uh, curious to see how they'll bounce back this upcoming weekend. Uh, The Pirates need need a response, right? That's the the nicest way I can say that. They'll take on Tulane. That is a 12 o'clock kick. Uh, 12 o'clock kick on Saturday for the Pirates. I'm sure they'll be playing with a vengeance. And rounding it out, Charlotte Forty ers fans, you don't exist, so you're not you don't even make the power rankings. We're gonna give your honorable mention to Coastal Carolina. But the Duke Blue Devils coming in at number six. I don't know what I don't know what you want me to say about Duke. I mean, they're just the same old team. Kinda solid sometimes. Chase Bryce is decent. David Cutcliffe is always gonna have him coached up and ready to go. But they're still just Duke. Duke just 2-5 and to start the year. So here in uh, not even able to crack the top five. We had to make a number six spot for Duke this week. They'll be taking on the Carolina Tar Heels this weekend. Uh, So Wake Forest 1, UNC 2, App State 3, the ECU Pirates, number four. NC State, number five. And the Duke Blue Devils rounding us out here on the Toyota of Newburn. Sam Avalis Show in-state power rankings. Keep beating around the bush here. I want to play for you here. This sound comes courtesy of Tyler Feldman from WITN. Um, This is from Mike Houston's post-game press conference on Saturday. Again, if you missed it, the American Athletic Conference came out and officially said that they got it wrong, that it was a fumble recovery, recovered by ECU there inside of, what, three minutes to go in the game or so. ECU could have gotten the ball back. They were up three points at the time. Could have iced the clock. Instead, Coastal Carolina is or excuse me, not Coastal Carolina, Tulsa is unfairly credited with a fumble recovery. They go down, they score, they win the game. Mike Houston handled this, I believe, perfectly. He could have really tried to make a mess of things. These are the kind of things that make you realize why ECU fans love Mike Houston so much because he has an air about him that makes you feel like a leader. These were statements here that made you feel like this guy is a leader. Take a listen. This is Mike Houston, kind of chopped up here uh, to get around some of the fluff. This is Mike Houston after the game responding to the missed call, or the call that was unfairly made, rather, against Tulsa.
2: Coach, is this the toughest loss you've had in your coaching career? it's one I sure don't understand I just I just don't know I don't know what to say to my kids right now and I've never I've never had that happen yeah I mean I've, I've been saying it all along that the, the improvements there but it's going to happen as long as these kids stick together and keep keep fighting for each other it's going to happen And I'm tired of saying that, though. We're all ready to celebrate. We're ready to get get over the hump. We talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Our athletic director is contacting the league right now. That's why you have instant replay. Okay. We got to get ready for Tulane. Thanks,
0: Coach. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can you can understand the disappointment. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier in the show, if you missed it. It's that, you know, for ECU fans, and, and I keep going back to how much of a leash is Mike Houston going to be allowed here? How long can you keep coming up just short? And you can continue to hear it's going to happen. Mike Houston gave a little bit of voice to that. And, I have to continue to reiterate, ECU fans, because you guys will be all up in my mentions yelling at me about this. I'm not saying we're even considering or remotely thinking about firing the guy at all. Not even close. Not even close. But I have not seen anybody be critical on ECU over the last two years. And there's something to that. I understand it's unfair to put all these expectations on this guy immediately who's taking over a program that... Look, it wasn't even just Scotty Montgomery that ran it into the dirt, right? I mean, as much as we all loved Ruffin McNeil, the last two years or so of Ruffin McNeil, this program was already starting to spiral. And then Scotty Montgomery came in and made it worse. Mike Houston has a hell of a job in front of him. And he's been doing a hell of a job. But even he said it. I'm kind of sick of continuing to say... It's gonna happen soon. It's gonna happen soon. If you don't think that's gonna be a fired up ECU team going out there this weekend against uh, Tulane, well, then you got another thing coming. Mike Houston is going to have these guys fired up. I think everybody fully expects ECU to come out and have a response. But what if they don't? That's the thing I keep asking. At what point am I going to not have to be the only dissenting opinion? Because that's how. That's the only reason I do this. It's not. It, some of it's just a little bit of a bit. Because there's other radio stations in this market that will never say a bad word about anything that's going on at ECU. It is always, hey, it's going to get better. Things are looking up. Things are looking up. Things are looking up. Somebody, somebody has to be the other guy. I'm trying to take the role of being the other guy. So just if you can deal with that, ECU fan, I'm just asking from the other perspective, from the other side, at what point are you going to look back and say, you know what, this is a trend. We are constantly in these games. And we're really close. But it doesn't really matter at the end of the year when you look up and you're still a two- or three-win team, right? It's like, yeah, we were close in some games. And I know this one is a little bit of a different instance because you should have had that ball back. You should have had the opportunity to run the clock out. You should have upset Tulsa as a 19-and-a-half-point underdog. It should have happened. But we continue to sort of push this message of it should have happened. It's getting close. It's coming soon. We're going to turn the corner soon. Every single week that goes by, and that still hasn't happened, the questions should start to be raised a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. They're doing a good job over there. That defensive coordinator, cannot remember his name, has done some outstanding things. I was telling you last week that uh, my source, I have one strong source inside of the football team. And they said that the strategy is just going to be go out there, blitz, 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 pressure, pressure, pressure. And the defense played remarkably on Saturday. I mean, Holt Naylor's had a great game. I haven't even mentioned Holt Naylor's today. He was phenomenal. Guy was guy was a stud. He was everything that we see glimpses of from time to time. He put it all together. He had a complete game. Raji Harris is a monster. I cannot, When I watch Raji Harris run, I'm like, I cannot believe this kid is a freshman. Defensive side of the ball, who was it? Um, was it Howard? What, what is that defender's name? Who The guy in the secondary who what? He had a pick, had like four or five pass deflections. ECU played really good defense. They played a really complete football game, and they should have won. There's no doubt about that. They got robbed. But it just continues to kind of happen this way. This one feels a little bit different, but you can't just say, we should have won, we got robbed. If it wasn't for that, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, this was just the latest incident, and it was a bit of a freak fluke incident in a program that continues to lose football games year after year after year. Mike Houston can be the right guy. Mike Houston can have all the answers, but at some point, it has to really translate onto the field. It has to show up in the box score. It has to show up in the win-loss record, right? It still hasn't fully done that. It's a little unfair of me to say that, but there is also some truth to the idea that we can say everything is getting better, but it hasn't yet it still – Guys, I don't have much yeah. to say. So here's a couple more comments uh, from yeah. Mike Houston after the game. Guys, I
2: don't have much to say. The kids played their butts off. We should be sitting here singing a fight song right now. Well, I mean, you know, the pass interference calls, a judgment call, fourth down. So, obviously, there must have been something there for them to call it off. You know, you, you usually don't see that call on a fourth down, uh, so it must have been pretty blatant uh, for them to throw a flag right there. The fumble that was ruled a fumble on the field – um, it must have been very obvious because usually you would not overturn that on a fourth uh, or, excuse me, late in a ball game like that. You would not overturn it unless it was just, you know, obvious uh, that the, the arm was down before it came out. The last pass, I mean, the the video that they showed on the Jumbotron shows the ball bouncing. You could clearly see it hit the ground before um, or even as he was making the catch, I mean, it, the ball's on the ground, so I just I don't understand how it got uh, how it got ruled a catch. I mean, I just, I'm not the replay official, but I just know what I saw on the Jumbotron. On the video, we all saw it. Uh, as coaches, we were talking about how much time we had left and how we were going to kill the clock. Um, our kids are absolutely devastated. I mean, the effort all ballgame by everybody. I mean, you go on the road against a team of that caliber and play, you know, Play the way you did, and you outplay them the way you did. Yeah, we can send any 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 calls we want. Uh, take them to take a look at. Uh, we can send it in. I mean, it's not going to do any. I mean, it doesn't get you the win back. That's the that's the tough thing. It does not get you the win back. But that's you know, we'll obviously send in the calls we think uh, you know, need to be looked at. What was your message? What did you say to your team after this game here tonight? I mean, how, how do you talk to them after that? I mean, I just. I've I've coached almost 200 ball games as a head coach in my life, and and 100 plus at the college level, and I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. When I sit there and I preach to them every day, if you do right consistently, day in and day out, good things are going to happen to you. And then and, and they're kind of looking at me sideways a little bit right now because they did the things they had to do to win the ball game.
0: It just kind of stinks. Um, There's really no other way to look at it, ECU fans. So, you know, this is the week where I do want to say, I guess it's okay to stick with the mentality of it's coming soon. It's coming soon. It hasn't happened yet, but... It's still coming soon. Uh, Xavier Smith. I wanted to make sure I get that linebacker's name correct here. Uh, had a hell of a game. Guy really just jumped off the screen for the Pirates. Three pass deflected, one and a half uh, tackles for loss, including half a sack and five total tackles. Uh, he and him and Dre uh, Wilson, uh, phenomenal performances for EC over the weekend. Mike Houston's right. I mean, what do you say? Other than uh, you can't get the win back. It's gone. It's gone, and you probably should have won it. And it's going to stand out. There's two stinky losses so far this season. I'm going to add playing in the background here. There's two stinky losses so far this season for ECU. You wish you had the Navy game back because maybe if Holton was out there, it goes a little bit different. And you wish you could have gotten that call back. That was obvious to everybody watching, obvious to everybody on the field. And for some reason, the replay official just wouldn't give ECU any credit. It wasn't meant to be. I don't really know how you bounce back from that. ECU's going to have an opportunity this weekend against Tulane. You better believe those boys are going to be fired up and ready to go. Might try to reach out to Steven Igo as the week goes on and see if we can get his thoughts on that. And uh, you know, just moving forward for the ECU football team. All right, we got to take a quick break when we come back. It's the Misery Index on a Monday afternoon, right here on the Sam Avalus Show. This is the Sam Avalus Show. Welcome back. Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Gonna get to the misery index here in just a second. We haven't gotten to do it in a couple of weeks because Mondays are usually packed, but we found some room today. NFL football tonight, you can catch Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No Antonio Brown yet. I think they said next week was when we will finally see Antonio Brown hit the field. Um, I can't remember what, what – okay, what is the Thursday night game this week? Let me look that up. There's there's some really cruddy NFL matchups that we're going to be forced to sit through in primetime over the next couple of weeks. I don't know what the line is on this game tonight. Um, I can look it up here. I would imagine – what do you say? Six and a half in favor of Tampa Bay maybe? Oh, gosh, it's twelve. That's a lot worse than I thought it was going to be. Could be a bad football game tonight. We do have coverage on our sister station, 103.9 FM, New Burns News Talk. You can check that out. If you are away from your television screen tonight, driving around town, and you want to get some Tom Brady versus Daniel Jones action in your life. There was a move made earlier today. That's why this is going to be a bad matchup. The 49ers, who keep getting more and more injured, more and more hurt, they're going to be in prime time on Thursday night this week, taking on the Packers, who also lost yesterday, dropped their second game of the season. Uh, the 49ers tra- traded Quan Alexander earlier today to the New Orleans Saints, so some competition stepping up in the NFC South. The Carolina Panthers, I do believe, see the Saints again Um I'm pretty sure at some point this season, Quan Alexander makes a good addition to that team. Saints have slowly started to piece together uh, some better games. But a head-scratching move to me by the San Francisco 49ers. Alexander was like an all-pro guy two years ago in Tampa Bay. And I know he's been dealing with some injuries this year. Um, I think this was like the week that he had returned and was set to be healthy. And then they said, no, we're just going to ship you out of town. Um, so the 49ers, I don't really know what they're doing at 4-4 four four too. Like they're still – Fairly competitive of a team. Uh, Panthers fans, you get to see the Kansas City Chiefs next week. We're going to push our Panthers conversation to tomorrow. Wanted to get to some of it today, but we kind of got wrapped up on the ECU and UNC stuff. So we'll look at a a deeper look back at Thursday night's game for the Carolina Panthers coming up on tomorrow's show. That should be some fun. I was trying to remember what the Monday night game was next week because it is... Oh, Patriots-Jets. That's what it is. Patriots Jets, so I mean, a terrible football game. But Panthers fans, I was amazed yesterday because I'm friends. You know, a lot of a lot of you guys that I know who are like on Facebook or whatever, you're you're Panthers fans, and I see you on Twitter and I see you on Facebook, and you would have thought that the Panthers were the Patriots yesterday. The way the Patriots uh, and Cam Newton quite literally fumbled that game away. At the end, I was, I was, I'm still taken aback that even eight weeks in, even though week after week, Cam Newton like looks worse and worse. And this isn't exactly his fault. Um, if you thought Tom Brady didn't have any weapons around him last year, well, Cam somehow has less than what Tom Brady was dealing with last week. I think I even saw what Julian Edelman opted to have precautionary knee surgery and is now going to be out the remainder of the season. He wasn't out there yesterday. Cam, like not even MacGyver could go out there and piece something together with the pieces that are around. Cam, Newton. The, the the Patriots have really kind of done this guy a disservice, where they brought him in and they were there were some kind of expectations. There's always going to be expectations in New England. Now you're bringing in a former MVP. Um, he's got big shoes to fill. But after what you saw from Brady last year, you thought maybe that this was going to be the boost of adrenaline that the Patriots needed to get back to their old ways, but. Um, Alas, they end up losing the game to the Bills. I mean, mind you, a decent Bills team, but Cam just uh, looks like he continues to struggle. I'm still just amazed at how even now eight weeks into the NFL season, when Teddy Bridgewater has been pretty good for you so far, that we still have—the like Panthers have a better record than New England, and Teddy Bridgewater has played marginally better than Cam Newton— and yet, Panthers fans are still like, "I really miss Cam Newton. I wish we had Cam Newton." What do you think this Panthers team would look like with Cam Newton right now? Do you think they're better or they're worse? It's a you could make a case either way, I think, but I, I for my money, I still stand by. It. I think they would be worse. I know it's a lot of pressure to put on Cam in New England right now, and a lot of it is really unfair. But you and I, I was watching SportsCenter. I was talking at lunch earlier today, and they were talking about Cam a little bit, and they just kept taking the blame off of him and putting it on the Patriots, taking the blame off of him and putting it on Demir Burt, taking the blame off of him and saying, well, you know, maybe this is you know a problem and we need to look at Bill Belichick and maybe, you know, they're not using him quite the right way. Cam never got that kind of credit in Carolina. I don't know why he's getting that kind of credit when he's in New England. Like when things went wrong, nobody wanted to say, well, maybe there's, there's issues at hand larger than just Cam Newton. And in the last two years, that wasn't the case. Cam Newton continued to be the issue. But for some reason, the, the narrative around Cam Newton has been, well, it's not really his fault. Look at what he's dealing with. Yes, that's true. There is 100% some truth to that. But you can't sit down and watch Cam Newton play this season and realize that the guy is getting worse. So what? You've got benched under 100 yards, three interceptions last week. They followed it up 174 yards yesterday. No touchdowns. No picks. The guy just doesn't really do anything anymore. He doesn't have any of the explosive playability that he used to have. He doesn't look like he wants to run. He did have the fumble on the last possession of the game where, look, they, they could have just tied the game up and sent it into overtime. They were in field goal range, and Cam just chokes the ball away. And I don't even care about that. And I like Cam, and I'm rooting for Cam. But I just still can't get over how many Panthers fans I see that are still wishing Cam Newton was their quarterback when you're watching him with another team and he's just struggling. And then you look at what you have in the building in Teddy Bridgewater who looks pretty darn good. Doesn't look great, but he looks pretty darn good. And you still just don't want to let go of Cam. (laughs) It's like, take what you have in front of you, man. Teddy's fine. Teddy's good, but... You're not going to move forward with Cam Newton as your quarterback still. There's no rebuild. Like You were just delaying the inevitable anyways. Panthers were nowhere near close to any sort of win-now mode right now. So why not just step away and see if you can find somebody else in Teddy Bridgewater? And if that doesn't work out, then you get to move on. I have got this long-shot theory. It's never going to happen because I think the Panthers are still going to win enough games to where... They're not going to be like a top three or four pick next year. It looks like the Panthers are sort of headed to about what they were last year, right? Where were they? Number seven, number eight overall in the draft this past year when they took Derek Brown. I've got my fingers crossed. It's not going to happen, but I know everybody's gugu gaga for Trevor Lawrence this year, and I mean rightfully so. The kid's a stud. I just keep having this dream where Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback becomes a Carolina Panther and they somehow decide to draft him because that would be a good transition that would be a good situation where you wouldn't feel pressured to play him right away because you have Teddy there but after this season what Teddy will only have two years left on his contract and most of the guaranteed money and everything will have been paid out so it's not as if you end up transitioning to a younger guy. Because Teddy's not the long-term answer, and that's kind of part of my argument with Cam. It's like, well, Cam's not the long-term answer either, and the Cam stuff always came back to money to me because the Panthers were not going to be able to sign him as cheap as the Patriots were able to sign him based on you know his contract rights and all that stuff. Justin Fields could be a really good fit in Carolina because he's just fun. And he's, you know, he's, he's Kyler Murray. He's a bigger Kyler Murray to me. And everybody really wants Trevor Lawrence. Maybe if the Panthers can get lucky and they end up sliding into the top three, four, five, there's not going to be a lot of teams who are quarterback needy. Patriots are probably still going to need a quarterback. Cam's only on, I think, a one year deal, anyways, right? Um, You know, the Jets are going to need a quarterback. They're going to be right there at the top. But a lot of these other bad teams, if you think about guys like the Bengals or the Chargers who blew another one yesterday, an amazing... I think I saw it has now been, what, four games in a row, four games in a row that the L.A. Chargers have blown, have blown a 16-plus point lead. Four straight games now. I always talked about, hey, who's going to... Um, who, who's going to really wear the badge of all those years of misery in Philip Rivers' career when he was in L.A. or when he was in San Diego, right? The, the perennial joke of, like, they blow the lead or Philip Rivers always has to go the length of the field. He's got a minute and 30 seconds left, and he comes up just short. If you missed it, maybe I can find a way to get it worked into rotation at some point this week. We played a game on Friday. I had Von Casey in here, and the game was Philip Rivers or Matthew Stafford. And you had to identify. You can check it out on the podcast. Uh, you can find the Sam Avila Show on Apple iTunes, Spotify, uh, Pandora, wherever you get your podcast. I think it's pretty much being distributed just about everywhere now. We, we played this game where it was like I went and read back old game logs, and you had to tell me who blew this lead or who choked this game away. Was it Philip Rivers or Matthew Stafford? And it's amazing how similar these guys' careers have been. But now I look at Justin Herbert, and Justin Herbert has been this year Another big win for Joe Burrow yesterday against the Tennessee Titans, but Justin Herbert has been the NFL rookie of the year so far this season I don't even really think the conversation's close, but they still keep losing despite of Justin Burrow I mean Justin Herbert Justin Herbert continues to throw like three hundred yard game two hundred fifty yard game he hasn't had a game yet under two hundred and fifty total yards. <laughs> But because it's the Chargers and they have the stink, I thought maybe they got rid of it when Phillip Rivers left. But no, the stink continues. Uh, yeah, the stat there again is that the Chargers have now had four straight games. Four straight games with blown 16 plus, um, point leads. So, anyways, the, the point here is that all these teams are going to keep losing. The Cincinnati's, the Chargers, all these bad teams. The only team that's going to be like, we are drafting a quarterback, number one pick, get out of my way. It is the New York Jets. Everybody else still kind of has a young guy. And then there's a couple of teams that could maybe be in some sort of freaky transition. Like the Raiders with Derek Carr. Maybe a team that you could see try to uh, transition and do something. The Vikings are an interesting case study. Uh, The 49ers will always be interesting to me because of the way Jimmy Garoppolo's career has turned out. But the Panthers are one of those teams that when we're talking next year could legitimately be in a conversation to get a quarterback. Justin Fields. It's like this premonition I keep having. This dream where Justin Fields is going to be in a Panthers jersey. And you know what? I think in four or five years, I know Trevor Lawrence is good. And he's a can't-miss guy. Justin Fields is giving me can't-miss vibes because of the way we've seen quarterbacks and the quarterback position change so much over the last couple of years. Who are the best guys in the league right now? All the guys who are mobile. And, and Trevor Lawrence is mobile, don't get me wrong. I was having this conversation with my girlfriend over the weekend. when uh, I think I was telling her about the Justin Fields things. I, like, I was like, I had a dream last night that Justin Fields is going to be a Panther. She was like, well, Trevor Lawrence is really mobile too. But I'm like, yeah, but there's, there's mobile and there's shifty. Right There's mobile, and then there's elusive. like Daniel Jones, the, the joke where he fell on his face two weeks ago on primetime football, where everybody was laughing at him, but it's like, oh wait, but by the way, he ran faster than any quarterback has been clocked in two years on that drive. It was like 21.3 miles an hour. He's mobile. But like if you've got to make a guy miss, are you taking Daniel Jones, or are you taking Kyler Murray? Are you taking Daniel Jones or are you taking Russell Wilson? Lamar Jackson. Like these are the guys who are shifty. You taking Daniel Jones or are you taking Josh Allen? Well, Josh Allen isn't fair cuz Josh Allen does a thing that's just different than everybody else. Daniel Jones will run away from you in a straight line. Kyler Murray's gonna, you know, look like a kindergarten scribbler if you were to go and trace the way that he sometimes gets through defenses. Josh Allen is going to push you out of the way. <laughs> I think I think it's now been two times this year that I've seen him stiff arm a linebacker into the ground. Like that is no uh no task to be taken lightly by any quarterback in the NFL. So there you go Panthers fans. I didn't even mean to get get going on that, but maybe we'll get back to it tomorrow. We're going to talk more Panthers on tomorrow's uh show to sort of get you through your Tuesday. But Justin Fields, I'm throwing it out there now. I want him to be the future of this Carolina Panthers team. You got to you got to break the ties with camp, guys. You got to you got to quit wishing for Cam. You got to quit thinking that Cam's coming back. You got to quit thinking that Cam had anything left in the tank for this Panthers team. It's just it's done. It's over with. Quit rooting for the Patriots because of Cam. Harder than you're rooting for your very own Carolina Panthers. They've been good, okay? You should be excited with this team. Love them. Don't don't be dwelling on your ex. Love what you got right now. Panthers are playing uh, decent football, which is better than we thought they would be going into this season. Um, all right, we got one more segment. We'll do the misery index coming up right here on The Sam Avila Show. The misery index here on The Sam Avila Show. What is it? Well, it's a gauge and a whip around sports to figure out who is the most miserable on this Monday morning. Who is the most miserable on this Monday morning? Well, uh, in no particular order. I don't mean that. In no particular order, let's get into this a little bit. I had somebody text me. If you missed it, we were talking uh, Haunting of Bly Manor with Carolina earlier today. I had somebody text me during the show that uh, they 100% agreed. They said it had a better story than the first one, but the execution completely sucked at the end. (laughs) <laughs> so like it was like the cam newton of netflix series right now yeah, it's good good story but the execution at the end just really sucked and you fumbled the ball away and you could have tied it up with the bills <laughs> all right the misery index so yes what it is is just a in no particular order everybody's just as miserable as the next guy a whip around the sports world and see who is very miserable today and has all things going wrong in front of them. So, misery index number one. First place we're going to go is we're going to go to the Clemson Tigers. And I don't know if this is so much Clemson that should be miserable here or if it should be us who could be miserable here. Uh, Clemson is 7 and a beat Boston College 34-28 over the weekend. It's like, how could it be miserable to be an, a Clemson fan right now? Well, it's because Trevor Lawrence has the Rona. Uh, I, I think he was showing like very mild symptoms, maybe. I don't think he was like completely asymptomatic. But it kept him out of this game, and it was announced on Saturday, I believe, that Trevor Lawrence is also going to miss Clemson's next game. If you are unfamiliar with Clemson's schedule, their next game, the next game for the number 1 Clemson Tigers would have been... An early battle against the number four team in the country, Notre Dame. Yes, Trevor Lawrence versus Ian Book, Clemson versus Notre Dame. That's just, that is what we were set to have on our plates this upcoming weekend. Now we've been completely robbed of that. A couple different things here. Number one, Clemson's backup quarterback is a fellow who I don't know how to pronounce his name, DJ Uigalili. I'm not making that up. U I G A L E L E I. He's another one of these like Samoan guys. Ungalele. I don't I'm not sure how to pronounce his game how to pronounce his name, excuse me. I had this game on my second screen. I had it muted. It's great because Alabama did this thing where for years they were a fun team to talk about because they had the cool young quarterback and we couldn't pronounce his name, Tua Valoa. is now apparently we're putting an N in the middle of his name. Clemson saw that for all those years, and Dabo Swinney was like, hold my beer, let me go find somebody with a crazier last name than that. So that's who's going to be playing quarterback for Clemson this weekend. But if you're a Clemson fan, you have to be a little nervous. Because well, gosh, Boston College was beating the mess out of Clemson earlier in that game. I want to say it was like 28-10, to 28-13 at halftime. And then Clemson came back out and found their stride, and um, the defense really stepped up and held Boston College to zero points. Zero points in the second half. All 28 of Boston College's points came in the first half. So what you have now if you're Clemson is a bit of a problem. On a normal year in the ACC, I don't think they would be affected by this, but there's no divisions this year. So the top two teams in a straight ranking are who's going to make the ACC championship game this year. And pretty much the consensus opinion is that barring some unforeseeable screw-up, it should be Notre Dame and Clemson. With Trevor Lawrence, Clemson's the better team, even though Notre Dame looks good. Most, if that that game, I think I saw some early projections before Lawrence went out, and Clemson, I believe, had been a four point favorite, a four point favorite against Notre Dame. This was uh, pre Trevor Lawrence Ronin stuff. Clemson is probably going to lose this game this upcoming weekend, and one loss isn't going to kill you. But what's going to end up happening is they're going to end up seeing Notre Dame again. So what you now have is it looks like two games against Notre Dame for Clemson that they need to split. They have a chance of losing both of them. They're definitely going to lose the one this weekend, unless this freshman, redshirt freshman, who's a five-star guy in his own right, but he's not Trevor Lawrence. Could be a first loss of the season for Clemson. This could be coupled with a couple weeks from now when these two teams excuse me, inevitably do play again, that we could be talking about a two-loss Clemson team coming out of the ACC, which would not provide them a seat at the table. And you're going to look back, and ECU fans, you do some of this with the holton Naylors thing and the Navy game for good reason. You could look back and say, wow, Clemson lost two games. What would it all have looked like if he had never gotten the Rona, if he was not forced to miss a little bit of time? So for that reason and that reason only, because they are the best team in the country, or at least the second best team in the country, with Trevor Lawrence... That very quickly changes. I don't care who the quarterback is otherwise. And Trevor Lawrence is going to come back, but will it be too little too late? Now you have to start having the conversations of, will the college football playoff committee take that kind of thing into account? Will they look back and say, well, you lost one game. You lost two games, but you lost Trevor Lawrence for a while, so it makes sense. Something to keep an eye on, but certainly a bit of a miserable day for for the Clemson Tigers. Number four, I'm not going to pour it on you guys, but ECU fans, you just have to be miserable today, I know. And I'm sorry. And I want to tell you, brighter days are ahead. And they may be, but but not tomorrow. Not next week. Not two weeks from now. ECU still going to have some tough weeks this year. Coming up this weekend, they've got a 12 o'clock game versus Tulane. The line opened up on Sunday morning for that game. Um, Tulane was a two-point favorite. In 24 hours, that line has already... Switched around a little bit. It's now a three-point favorite in favor of Tulane. So some early money has been coming on in favor of the Green Wave. Pirates are one in four on the season, one in three in AAC action. And you feel like the cards are just stacked against you every single week. You feel like you're getting close, but you feel like you've been getting close for two years, right? We spent the last four or five weeks of the season last year outside of what is what is it? A UConn game, second to last game of the year for ECU last year. Outside of that, it was a lot of games that you lost and you're like, but we were there. We were there. We were close. We were there. A lot of those same feelings can be had for this year. Today, obviously, it feels so much worse with the um, admittance of guilt by the American Athletic Conference. And you know that that game should have been in the hands of Holton Nailers. Should have been in the hands of Rajay Harris, who had another 100-yard game this weekend as a freshman running back. Those guys could have gotten the job done and iced that game away, but in an amazing turn of fate that only seems like the ECU Pirates would be capable of. They get screwed over by the referees. ECU fans, certainly miserable today. Um, good news, though. Coming up this weekend, Tulane 3-4. and four, Just 1-4 and four in the AAC. They beat Southern Miss and Southern Alabama this year in non-conference play. But they lost to Navy, they lost to Houston, they lost to SMU, and they lost to UCF. They did just beat the Tar out of Temple, which was probably their best win of the season. But, in some common opponents there, with the likes of Navy. Uh, Has has ECU played Houston this year? I can't remember. It seems like this is a a game that ECU is capable of winning. But the early line here is Tulane's a three-point favorite, so we'll keep an eye on that. Next on the list. You know, it's going to be a tie between the Chargers and the Washington Redskins. A tie between the Chargers and the, oh excuse me, the Washington Football Team. Let me uh, let me use the correct phrase here. So the Washington Football Team was on a bye this week. So it's like how can things get more miserable? Like we've had enough. Washington fans have had enough. Well, the NFL trade deadline is tomorrow, and you'll remember two years ago, or in the 2019 draft. The Washington football team selected Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. Well, now they're talking about potentially trading him, moving him before tomorrow's NFL trade deadline. Red, excuse me, Football team fans, you have to hate this. Not that it's necessarily a bad move, but I don't know what kind of value you're going to get back for Dwayne Haskins. Oh, and he has two and a half years left on his deal. It was $14 million guaranteed. You've already paid out 10 of that. And the reason that stinks is because you've already had to pay the bulk of the salary. But he's been so bad, and there's no willingness by this new coaching staff that Ron Rivera's heading up, there's no willingness by them to keep Dwayne Haskins around as the guy of the future. So what does this mean? It means you just wasted like three years of your franchise, and you lost $10 million worth of money. And now you have this former first-round pick that you're not going to get any kind of value back because who out there is kicking down your door saying, we need Dwayne Haskins? There's nobody that's a Dwayne Haskins away from anything. Like You're actively tanking yourself if you are going and making a move for Dwayne Haskins. Somehow, if the Jets were to bring in Dwayne Haskins, they would get worse. (laughs) A miserable existence being a Washington football team. You're on the list, but the Chargers are as well. I gave this stat out in the last segment. I've got to go a little quickly here. But I gave this stat out in the last segment that the Chargers... I thought it was a Phillip Rivers problem. I don't know if it's a Rivers problem or if it's... Um, a Chargers problem. Phillip Rivers yesterday, What they actually ended up beating the heck out of the Lions. Um, Colts have been playing a little bit better this year. But the Chargers are not. They have now lost four straight games. And the Atlanta Falcons know all about this. But they have lost four straight games now where they had a 16 or more point lead. Four straight games now. They have blown a 16-plus point lead. It doesn't really get much more miserable than that, unless you want to go to the next member and candidate of the fraternity of the misery index this week, the UNC Tar Heels. I've been piling on ECU a lot today. And this isn't even me hating. I do a little bit of the hating thing because it's fun with ECU. I do a little bit of a hating thing with the UNC thing too, but I have been very staunch all year long that this is a damn good football team and I still think that but damn good football teams don't lose to Florida State not in 2020 damn good football teams do not lose to Virginia in 2020 UNC is in a situation where if they had not blown these games here's the realization this is why you should be upset and we're just talking about Clemson and how now they're going to be without Trevor Lawrence against Notre Dame coming up this weekend Carolina didn't have to see Clemson this year. They do have to see Notre Dame, and they're going to have to see Miami. But if you hadn't blown these two games, the one against Virginia this weekend, the one against Florida State two weeks ago, then Clemson potentially losing without Trevor Lawrence's upcoming Saturday night to Notre Dame, guess who would have been sitting right there knocking on the door, ready to prove themselves, ready to control their own destiny going the rest of the way with upcoming dates against Miami and against Notre Dame? Carolina could have gotten a major leg up on Clemson this week, and just in all the surrounding circumstances. But you've played yourself out of that position two weeks ago, three weeks ago. You were number five in the country. The new AP polls today, Carolina is not even ranked. Not even ranked. A miserable existence to have so much promise and hope going into this season, and now all of that has been completely dashed away Um, so tough tough day to be a UNC Tar Heel football fan but still in the in the you know larger scheme of things I think you guys are fine I've been saying I'll say it again I'll say it again I'll say it again you guys were a year away this year you were a year away there's some talent there still a little younger that needs to grow up a little bit more next year next year if we're still having the same conversation then this whole college football as it exists in the state of North Carolina convo we had earlier today about how like you'd wanna, you need to strive to be Dave Clawson in Wake Forest, where you just take your eight or nine wins every year and you shut the hell up. <laughs> if UNC is still losing these kind of games next season, another year of Sam Howell, another year of this defense getting better and older and stronger, then we can really give more and more voice to this. Yeah, you just can't win any games if you're a football team in the state of North Carolina. The last one of the week here as we get ready to wrap up the show. Uh Jerry Jones. Jerry Just Jerry Jones. Not the Cowboys. Jerry Jones in general. Uh, I don't know if you saw the meme that the internet had a field day with last night. It was fairly late in the game. Um the Eagles were up seven to six in the second quarter, and Jerry Jones just looked grumpy. They showed him he looked freezing cold up in his owner's suite. The game was so boring, he was drinking coffee to try to keep him awake. And he had to sit there and watch as Ben DiNucci attempted to do something called quarterbacking. I think the quote I saw from Ben DiNucci um, perfectly sums up his first start in the NFL and what was just an ugly, atrocious game in the NFC East. The NFC East just exists in the misery index. They are the misery index. But the Cowboys this year, I think Carolina had the expectations and they've come up short. You can make a real... And I'm talking UNC football with that, Carolina, not the Panthers. Panthers have exceeded expectations. The nobody had more expectations. Nobody was the paper champions more than the Dallas Cowboys. And it's great because Cowboys fans will let you know, like, yes, yes, we are going to be a great team. They have two wins. And they were bad when Dak Prescott was there, too. How about this for a stat? <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys scored more points in the fourth quarter. The last time they had Dak Prescott, then they have scored in the three games since him. The last fourth quarter we saw Dak Prescott play. He scored 24 points. In three games without him, the Dallas Cowboys have scored a combined nine total points. nine total points. Uh, ben DiNucci last night was let's see, 21 for 40, 180 yards. was sacked four times. Zero touchdowns, zero picks. Threw the ball an average of 4.5 yards per completion. Had a QBR of 21.2. That's a low number. 21. That's the number you want in blackjack. That is not the QBR that you're wanting for your quarterback. The quote from Ben DiNucci, I've got it here, really perfectly sums up his first start. He said, this NFL thing, (laughs) it's hard. I think we uh, we can all sort of vibe with that, Ben DiNucci. Uh, you, sir, have thrust Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys right to the top of the misery index. But, guys, that's going to do it for Monday's show. Enjoy the football tonight. We'll have it on our sister station. Again, 103.9 FM. You can catch it there. I'll be back here tomorrow. Full slate of shows this week. We don't have to worry about uh, anything getting in the way, I don't believe. So we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk some Panthers. We'll have some fun. Uh, we'll see what the night Bring us, I'm trying to think, is there anything else? As always, please follow me on Twitter, at Sam Avalis. Um, you can find the Sam Avalis Show podcast if you ever want to go back and hear anything. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it in the Apple iTunes Podcast um, Center, whatever it's called, the little app there. Really appreciate you checking it out. It's Good for me. Got some pretty positive feedback on it so far. So, you know, it's a better way to keep up with the show if you can't always be around your radio dial. But as always, I do appreciate it. Enjoy the evening. See you back here at 4 o'clock tomorrow on The Sam Avalos Show.